to the Rockman Show. It's time for Rockman to give his opinions, his views, and his thoughts on life and rock. So grab a beer, buckle in, and get ready to rock. I was at the grocery store uh, a couple of days ago, and I gotta say, man, this woman had the best-looking ass I think I'd seen in a while. And she's wearing these like little biker shorts, and they're not the black ones. I mean, you've got—it's—I kind of like them better because it's like white and purple and stuff like that. And they were creeping up her ass, and I—I I could not look away. It was like a fucking train wreck. I'm like. I mean, it was in a good way. I mean, a good train wreck. If a train wreck could be good, it would be this girl's ass. Because all I could think about was burying my face in her ass. But, you know, when I think about burying my face in her ass, you know, did she wipe properly earlier? I mean, is it clean or is it dirty? Am I going to get, am I going to have problems later if I did that? I don't know. But I wanted to be those shorts so bad. That's all I could think of. Am I a pervert? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I'll ask my guest tonight on the show. My friend Lee is joining me once again, making his triumphant return. So Lee, am I a sick fuck for wanting to be the ass uh, uh, surrounding that girl's butt cheeks? And I shit you not, the shorts were so far up that ass, I just could not look away. Not at all, Ragman. I mean, look, um, a guy's got to depend on his on chick's rear end, right? Am I right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And look, you're in a grocery store, so you could go to the aisle and get some depends there, even if the chick's ass was, uh, you know, substandard and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I wanted to be those, those shorts look amazing on her. And I actually, I did want to be the creep. I was actually trying to find something in the store and... 
I wonder if she's like, why is this old man following me? <laughs> she didn't call security, thank God. Really? Um, officer, there's this guy with this, like, shiny head, and he's, I think he's following me. I don't know, man. I don't know. He's, I don't know. I've, I've seen him before. I'm, I don't know. On my, on my phone. Fuck you, John. Well, what are you going to do? You're no better, sir. You were hiding under a fucking bleachers at a brewery because you were you heard sirens. We're not talking about me. We're talking about you. Okay, okay. To be fair, you're right. So anyway, um, getting to the show. Uh, <laughs> Lee, welcome back. Um, thank you. It's nice to be back, Redman. Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, it's always good conversation with you, my friend. We've known each other for a long, long time. But we are here today to celebrate 2023. This is your precursor to the Genghis and Ragman reunion. Lee and I are going to dissect his list of the year of 2023. So we're going to play a lot of music and we're going to have a lot of dialogue because there's some stuff I need to talk to this guy about as well. So Lee, let's kick off the show with one of your favorite songs of 2023. Oh, boy. Let's see. Well, you know, I don't know about you, Ragman, but this year, about a month ago, I was thinking to myself, you know, there wasn't really that much great music this year. And then I started looking back and compiling releases and albums I bought and everything. And it was a pretty damn good year. Yeah, your list is pretty extensive. I got to say, and I'll, I'll tell you here in a bit, but I'll go ahead and tell you now. That my list is not that extensive this year, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I have succumbed to the streaming platform where it's more single-based for me now than listening to full albums. And I, I, I'll be honest, I miss that. But it's kind of where I'm at, especially kind of being on the go and busy. It's almost easier to either be somewhere, hear a song, or... Um, get on YouTube and find some music I like there or what have you. Um, but I don't know. It's, I, I do have, I do have albums that I really dug that I did hear all the way through, but there is a lot of stuff that came out. I know I missed. So I think it's going to be fun to kind of go through your list and say, okay, what did Lee like? And then we play some tunes and I'm like, Oh shit, I might be checking some of these bands out. So what, well, what are you know, thinking? Well, you know, it's fascinating because uh, technology and convenience have you and most of the uh, rest of the world um, back in the 50s. And let me explain what I mean. I mean, rock and roll started out as singles before albums. I mean, albums didn't really become a thing uh, until, you know, the 60s, really. And, yeah, I'm, I'm still there. I'm, I'm still an albums guy. I don't stream, but if you want to stream, that's cool. I mean, obviously, I'm a freak because most people, most most people stream and stuff. That's cool. I mean, I, I have a, um, um, I have accounts in various streaming services that I've created. I just never use them. Okay. Um, as, as for a song, it's weird. I didn't come prepared, but how about uh, the title track of Prong, State of Emergency? I tell you what, man, I was not expecting this. But Prong came, Prong roared back this year with a kick-ass album. I can't wait to see him open up for Voivod pretty soon. 
Nice. Let's check out some prom. Yeah, uh, like you were saying, Lee, it's, I don't know, it's weird. You and I have known each other so long, and I was such a vinyl guy for so long and resisted CDs, and then I got cooked on CDs, and then it's, I don't know, I mean, just having Spotify at your fingertips and looking up a song and making these playlists, because I was always making mixtapes and stuff like that, right. I'm like, fuck, uh, it's so much easier now. And there, I will say this, there was like one of my, I guess, disappointments of the year, and this is an album I set forth to listen to, was the uh, the latest from Weir, where I liked a few songs, but the, the production fell flat, and I just didn't think the record was that good. So I'm like, why am I investing my time hearing this whole record, where it's really not that great? Opposed to okay, I'll get a couple songs on a playlist and forget about that record. Well, let me ask you a question: um, How many times have you listened to the new winger in its entirety? Uh, I would say once. Okay, I get, it was one it. and done. That's it. The best albums, the best albums. You have to, um, well, not all of them, but a lot of albums. Uh, you know, you sort of benefit from repeated listening, and we are such a such a hurried society that we don't give anything a chance anymore everything is so rush rush and there's a million streams and, and there's like there's like a million more bands compared to when we we were really really into it in high school and college and it's just it's really hard to just sit down and make music a priority and just really get into it you know i i, I hear you but you know it's weird because you you had just mentioned that um you had resisted CDs for a while when they came out. I don't remember that at all. That's weird. Um, I remember I, I, I embraced CDs when I could first afford my, my first one. And um, of course, I, you know, as, as you might remember, I sold half of my vinyl collection. But over the years, I bought everything back and then some. So yeah, yeah, I do. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a. Uh, format wars guy in other words i love cds and i love vinyl equally you know oh oh yeah yeah i know you do and uh you embrace it so when i was uh i guess probably my first year of college i was still buying everything on vinyl right and i think 
I ended up getting my first CD player, and after that, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is this is pretty cool. I can take this little disc and take it in my car. I bought a portable CD player, and I was like, oh, perfect. I can take these records with me. I don't have to sit down with my vinyl, get a cassette, and then perfect. record one side, stop the cassette, and then flip the record over, and then finish the record. So after that, I was like, I fell in love with that format. Then I I got into, I guess as far as digital, it was like an MP3 player. So I built these MP3 players where I would have full records on. So I would listen to full records on the MP3 player. And then every once in a while you can make a, like a playlist. But I didn't really utilize it that much for that. I had an iPod and when I was still married, I would make a playlist to listen to when I was outside barbecuing, drinking a beer or something like that. But when I was in the car, it was solid record listening. I would listen to full records and, and then moving on to Spotify now, or, you know, I got on Pandora for a little bit. I didn't like that very well. And then I got on Spotify and I'm like, Oh shit, this is pretty freaking awesome. Now what, what, what do you like about um, Spotify compared to a, Pandora, just out of curiosity. I think Spotify gives you a little bit more variety. I think the platform's a little bit better. I know that in Pandora, I think you, it was harder to get the songs. I think, I think Spotify and iTunes or Apple Music are really similar, where one guy will love iTunes and one guy will love Spotify. But I think the platform of being able to pick as much music as you want, putting these playlists and stuff like that without having to pay a bunch of fees. The only time you have to really pay is unless you uh, don't want to hear the commercials. Right. So I like that. And Pandora's very limited on, they just, they want to make the playlist basically for you. Uh, and I'm like, no, I don't want to hear what you have to offer. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, there's some were okay, but for the most part, no, I'm not into this. Huh. Interesting. But I tell you what, um, why don't we, before we move on too far, and let's give these guys a little bit of a fair shake. Why don't we play something off the new Winger? I'm trying to think what that favorite song is. And you're not a Winger fan, correct? I know you like Red Beach and you um, you respect him as a guitar player, but are you a fan at all? Every, every single member of Winger is a fantastic musician, and Kip, Kip is outstanding. I mean, he's a great songwriter he he writes symphonies reb is great rod morgenstein is one of the greatest drummers ever and they've really in in recent years their their albums have become heavier and they're less commercial and and more serious although i must say as much as i do admire their music and their talent um i can't really get into a lot of their stuff and i don't know why um it's not that i don't like it and it's not that I like it. It just doesn't do a lot for me. I mean, it's obviously really, really good, well-arranged, well-performed. It just, you know, it just didn't, doesn't really hit me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you, man. I got you. I mean, it's great stuff, but, you know, you, you can't like everything. No, no, you can't. Um, I tell you what, why don't we play a song that I'm not super familiar with? I'm just looking at the, the record now. It's called Seven. Came out in 2023. Uh, I like this title, so we're going to play this song, Tears of Blood.
Well, I, my, and again, Lee, uh, my, my knock on that record is, and Genghis is always fascinated when I say this, I think you may be on the same page as me, but I think with poor production or muffled, bassy production, it takes away from the songs, and they just don't come off sounding as well to me. I need a good, crisp, good production for me to get into a record a lot of the time. You know, Ragman, I'm not just saying this, but believe me, when that album first came out, I heard it a couple times, and the first thing that drew drew my attention was, okay, either this is down-tuned, or it sounds like a blanket has been like placed over the amps. I mean, <laughs> it sounded really, like you say, it sounded really muffled. I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean, it's like usually with winger and bands of that genre, it has a real, for lack of a better description, a sparkly, full-bodied, high-in-the-mix production. And this just sounded like very mid-rangey, almost muddy, and it doesn't suit that that style of music. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Muddy. It's a muddy production. Right. And I believe Kip and Reb produce most of their own stuff. And the, this record, the production is just flat. It's not, it's muddy. I love that word. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's dig into a little bit more of your list. Um, and uh, I want to, you know, we're going to go back and forth on stuff that happened during the year as well as your list. Um uh, I, I'm really curious about this one because I haven't listened to it and I kind of kicked myself for not putting this on. And I know you are just an ultra fan and I see it comes in number one on your list. So the Stephen Wilson record, the Harmony Code or Codex. Uh, tell me what's so great about that record. The album before that, God, I, I forget the name of it. But I fucking loved it. And I bought a DVD. I saw him live. It's before really? he got back with Porcupine Tree. So he oh. may have had another release or two before that one. That was probably four or five years ago. Well, that's interesting because you are among the few people I know that actually likes the Future Bites. Because that was Stephen Wilson's solo album right before the Harmony Codex. And that really polarized a lot of fans because it was so um, um, electronic. There was hardly any guitars at all. That was a great album, though, I thought. But... As as for as for the current album, uh, it's really sort of a I don't know it's like a distillation of Stevens' various influences. I mean, like for example, the Raven that refused to sing was regarded as his '70s prog album. Uh, oh, okay. And then like you know he has other things that were more pop or whatever. But the Harmony Codex I think sort of collates everything in one. There's there's a lot of electronics. There's some guitars. There's some poppy shorter tracks. There's a couple really longer tracks. So for once, he doesn't have a specific goal. Like usually he says, okay, I'm going to make an electronic record. I'm going to make a prog record. I'm going to make a concept record about this woman who's been forgotten in, in urban, urban society, which would be Hand Cannot Erase. But this, he's sort of all over the place, and he shows various parts of his personality interesting yeah yeah the the record i was talking about was to the bone uh, oh yeah, oh, yeah that the, yeah that was actually the one before um the future bites and yeah to to the bone was very good i, I like that too um, i love that record full full, full, full disclosure kitties i'm a stephen wilson fanboy okay <laughs> <laughs> i know you love him you're you're his biggest fan that i know i know that <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, why don't we play something off that, uh, your number one record for the year? Yeah, how about um, Beautiful Scarecrow, perhaps? Let's do it. Sure. Stephen Wilson. I'm picking stuff that I'm really curious about. I'm looking at your list. Um, I guess the next one that I want to know about, and I wish I have heard more. I've heard a few tracks, uh, and it's one that I keep thinking I got to go back and check it out, and I don't do it. Uh, it's Trevor Rabin's Rio. Um, I got to say I was pretty bummed out after seeing ARW several years ago. That was probably six years, six seven years ago now. I always thought that there was going to be an ARW record. They even talked about it, teased about it, but nothing ever happened. So here you go. Trevor comes out with a solo record. So tell me about this record. Is it in the kind of style that you love him being and like, yes, or is it more of his uh, a South African, you know, di- trying different styles of music and more island music, or is it a blend of the both? Well, let's see. Put it put it this way. Um, uh, do you remember his the solo album that was out when we were in college? Can't look can't away. look away. Yeah, I love that record. Okay, well, it's the first solo album that he's had since then. That's kind of um, has that sound. You know, I mean. Oh, it, nice. Yeah, because uh, it it has that big full full bodied sound, but it's. You know, it, it experiments more. I mean, there's tracks. He's got like country guitar picking. He's got conventional rock. It's uh, it's it's great. I mean, and of course, he's released some great albums since then, um, instrumental albums. 
like um, Jacaranda, which was really good. However, the um, the new one is his first one since I think uh, Can't Look Away that's, uh, that, that features him as a vocalist. And, and, and as you remember, he has a fantastic voice. Yeah, those, he does. Yeah, I mean, those that know um, Yes from, say, um, Owner of Lonely Heart, well, he, he had backing vocals there, but listen to Can't Look Away for his vocals. And it's great, but the new one is really diverse. There's instrumentals, and there's also, a, there's a very serious track called o- Oklahoma, which if you're l- looking for, um, I guess, a recommended track, Oklahoma would be good. But yeah, it's really a surprise. I don't want to say return to form because he's been extremely successful over the decades as a movie soundtrack composer. I mean, he's he has been very successful, but this sees his, his return as a, um, as a progressive rock guitarist, vocalist, all-around instrumentalist and those that like those genres i highly encourage you to give uh, rio a chance it's great i tell you what let's check out oklahoma i'm very uh, curious about that and then it's time for a beer to be a good one i'm excited to made it this one traveled a long 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 way to the u.s mr g help me get this going dude All 
right. Dude, he was stroking himself up there. Fuck. What do I gotta do? And he, dude, it's like, God, it's so humid in here now. <laughs> it's weird. All right, I got a good one tonight. Uh, this one did actually travel a long way in my suitcase, all the way from the Netherlands, uh, from a brewery called De Krama Herring, which means the crooked fish. Tonight, I've got the Warmouth Bootleg NE IPA. So, New England IPA. Uh, let me see if I can read this. Oh, I got new glasses. I can read shit now in the dark. Holy shit. Let me see here. All right. Oh, look at that. Fucking modern technology. Okay, we call our award winning Warmouth a Bootleg NE IPA because it uses an obscure yet delicious yeast blend. Developed by the bootleg biology. The unique blend of the fruit forward yeast works extremely well with aromatic hops and also provides a unique dry and spicy character not found in your run-of-the-mill Nipa. So uh, let's see. Hazy IPA basically is what it is. And I love on the can, it says the only thing we fear is shitty beer. <laughs> I love that. That is freaking awesome. Uh, clocks in at 6.3 ABV. Uh, the can's pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty plain and simple. Uh, if I gave it a rating, I would say maybe a three, three and a half. It doesn't really stand out to me. It's just got a fish on it. And I get it. The, the, the thing's a fish, but it's, it's not that fun. He looks a little drunk, but, uh, really what we care about here is the beer at the end of the day and what it looks like. And oh my God, it looks beautiful. It is a nice, hazy, golden, orange juice-looking type beer. A lot of head and lacing. Lacing doesn't really stick to the glass. It's not really soapy. It looks – the head's kind of soapy, but the, there's no real lacing. So as far as appearance, I'm sold at a four. How about the t uh, smell? Oh, it smells amazing. Uh, just nice, fruity, uh, creamy. It smells really creamy. And I love a good creamy IPA. I bet you do. You know, I don't... He... I wired the booth not to be able to hear him, and that's what I get. All right. I don't know what I'm doing, apparently. Uh, I need Tommy back here. He was here... I think he's going to be back for uh, the reunion. He was talking about it, so we'll see. Uh... For anybody out there, you old school fans that know Tommy Snazzle Pants, he's been locked up in the joint for a bit, uh, but he fixes all electricity when he's available. Uh, so let's do this. A clink. Oh, cheers to me. Oh, look at that. Yum. Um, it's not as creamy as I had hoped or thought. Um, got some citrus orange juicy notes. Um very bitter on the back end though uh so i'm gonna say as much as i like the brewery and all that stuff uh i think i'm gonna have to go with a three and a half sorry boys 
very cool, very good beer, but uh, it doesn't might it doesn't make a four. That's at the end of the day. So uh, I'm gonna play a song real quick. This is a band I love. I played them a lot on the show, and uh, this is a band uh, that I saw uh, during 2023. I want to say I might have seen them twice, where they headlined once, and then the other time they were. Uh, I guess opening for somebody just in a really quick little, uh, I guess, spot or whatever. So uh, the band is called uh, Fit for a King, and they had a brand new record, and they're from Dallas, Lee. They're your neighbors. Um, The album is called The Hell We Create, and I love this song. Let's just play uh, End the Other Side. The Other Side! Do you like Fit for a King or do you know Fit for a King, Lee? I must say they are in my backyard and I have never heard of them before. Oh, wow. Uh, th- that, so- that's, that's the state of the world. That's going back to my prior comment is that there are so many bands now. The market is so saturated that you can't even keep up with local bands anymore. Right, right. Well, I mean, these guys hit the national scene. They've been national for a bit. But, yeah, they they were they are originally from Dallas. Right. So, uh, all right, let's jump into another uh, album of yours. And then after that, I've got a, I got a good one for you. I want to get your opinion on something I've been dying to know. Um, Steve Lukather. That's another guy I really like. I've got only one solo record from him. He's a great guitar player with Toto. I have the Luke record that came out, God, the 90s. Uh, really and I did check out a few tracks on the new one early on on YouTube, and I wasn't super blown away, so it kind of fell off the radar. Uh, maybe a little bit with the Trevor Rabin stuff. I think I heard one song like, oh, "That's pretty good." I want I want him with yes that yes style, but I think I need to sit down and listen to that record. And now that we have Oklahoma in the show, maybe I'm sold. We'll see. But uh, let's talk about Steve Lukather's brand new one, or for 2023, called Bridges. 
What do you think about that? How would you compare that to some of his previous work? Well, I would say it's very much like Toto, except for much grittier guitars. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Basically, um, Toto is now basically, well, of course, Toto is still a touring unit, but really his um, solo records, particularly this one, he's even said this in interviews that uh, he pretty much regards this as a Toto album because they don't really record much anymore. In fact, um, in fact, his next to last one, his prior one, he described it as sort of an unashamedly 80s production. You know? Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he's just, yeah, he always just does what he wants to. I mean, what what comes natural, there's nothing calculated. It's always in the vein of, um, you know, classic AOR, classic rock, of course, that being Toto, they throw in a lot of R&B and jazz and stuff. But I'm, I'm just going to say, if you like straight up hard rock with some funk and and some AOR, I think that uh, Bridges, which is his latest solo album, is really, really good. I, I highly recommend it. Hey, hey. You know? Shot. Hey, John, I've been seeing you since, what, the 80s? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should be the theme, so sure. Alright, so, uh... John, you don't have the fucking floor. I guess exactly, I have a question. So, I think the greatest, uh, Toto song ever recorded was, at, uh, Africa. Uh, is there a song like that out there? Well, it sounds like you're broadcasting from Africa, John. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm not a fan of that song. Because you don't know fucking music, dickhead. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> Mr. Sensitive. Oh, jeez. Just ignore his question. Let's let's play a rockin' song off that. Let's play something, uh, some Steve Lukather, something rockin'ly. What do we got? Yeah, but, no shit. But, but yeah, how about, let's let's make it easy. Let's go with the lead-off track. It's Far From Over. And some, some trivia, um... On, on recent solo albums of his, he's featured Joseph Williams. And Joseph Williams has been the touring vocalist for Toto for a while. In fact, a bit of trivia, Joseph Williams not only is a frequent um, Steve Lukather collaborator, but he's the son of John Williams, who's the composer of uh, Star Wars and countless other soundtracks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. So what's the song? Far From Over. Let's do it.
All right, uh, I want to dive into something with you. Uh, just another thing, a big thing that happened at the end of the year here. And I think we're on two different sides of the fences as far as what we thought of this band towards the end of their, uh, I guess, career, if they're truly done. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know where this is going. So Kiss just ended, and I am just pissed off. I went on a whole rant about the last show when Ace and Peter and Vinny and Bruce, anybody alive and kicking still should have been at that last show. So we won't rehatch that. But at the end of the show, there's the Kiss avatars. And my first impression was like, oh my God, they've sunk to a new low. This is so sad. Fucking give it up. You're done. You had a great career. Who's going to give a fuck or two flying fucks about Kiss Avatars? My opinion. Believe. what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are, even for Kiss, which never wastes an opportunity to screw up an opportunity, this was possibly the worst decision they have ever made. I mean, for, for, for one thing, they did nothing special about this final show at all. They didn't acknowledge any of the past members, any of the past ma- management. It was just a straight show. And then they end it with a freaking commercial. <laughs> and that's all it was. It was a commercial. And I was, and I'm not alone in this. I made the same comparison when I first saw it. And um, uh, remember a Christmas story? Yeah. Okay. Remember when Ralphie has his decoder ring, and he's and he's like in the bathroom, and he's and he's frantically decoding the secret message, and it says, "Drink your Ovaltine." That is exactly what the end of the Kiss last concert was. It was a freaking commercial. They yeah. could not, they could not have insulted their fan base more. And what what gets me is that their target audience, which is basically our age, um, most of us don't give a crap about avatars. I mean, I'm offered they're free to do what they want, and if it's uh, a success, great. And my first impression was, okay, they're they're attempting to carry on their legacy to a new generation. We might not get it, but those younger than us can go forward. Um, I don't think there's many people younger than us that truly give a shit about Kiss, okay? Yeah, I know. And I think just in recent years, they make one horrible decision after one horrible decision and this is the grand finale, the culmination of all those other horrible decisions. I mean, don't get me long, wrong. I will always be a lifelong Kiss fan. They were the first band I got into. I think they were the first band that you got into. And, yeah. this, and they, they screwed up the very end of their career. But I'm not going to let that affect my enjoyment of their prior, prior music. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I'm not sour on them. There are some bands I'm a bit sour on, and it's mainly people I've met that have been assholes to me, like Anthrax, Scott Ian, and Dave uh, Mustaine from Megadeth. Those two guys run me the wrong way, and I will say this. I think I've maybe given uh, a little bit of concession to Anthrax because 
I do still enjoy some anthrax. And what it, it, it's wait great. Wait a minute, Redman, Scott. Wait a minute. You mean that Scott Ian rubbed you the wrong way? Oh, dude. He was a dick to my daughter. You don't remember what? that story? Uh, can um, can you hear the sarcasm dripping from Oh. <laughs> yeah, what a dick. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I actually interviewed them um, – on their bus on the spreading the disease tour back in 80, I don't know, 85, 86. Oh, wow. And let's just say that you're not very off base there. Well, you know what? He, his persona on TV makes him look like this super cool guy. I'll also say, I'll also say I'm talking about Scott Ian. Charlie could not be a cooler guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just talking about Scott. I I would imagine everybody else was cool. Right. Because yeah. so, Frank Bellow so, seems so, cool as shit, too. So basically, we're saying not to the not man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, no, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I I will listen to some older Anthrax, and I'll be curious to check out new stuff. But Megadeth came out with a brand new record, I think, a year or so ago. And I didn't even listen to it. I didn't even know it came out. I actually was in Europe in a record store. They actually still have those there. Um, and there are a few in the U.S., let's be honest. Uh, I was about to say we have them. Don't perpetuate the myth that we don't. They're there. <laughs> yes. Well, this is like an FYE or whatever. No, H. was it HMV or something? HMV, is that right? Oh, yeah. That's a long That's a long time ago. They have one in Scotland I went in, right. and I'm just slipping through the metal section. I had some time before I had to go to a meeting. I'm like, huh. Megadeth's got a new record out. So I texted Genghis. I was like, hey, does Megadeth have a new record out? Have you heard it? He said, yeah, I've heard it. It's not that great. It's okay. I was like, oh, okay. Fair enough. I never even checked it out. I don't know if I would have liked it or not. I love well, Kiko Loejo, but he's well, now out of the band. Well, see, with, with Megadeth, their, their past few albums have been really solid, really good. But for some reason... It, they just don't interest me. I mean, they're really good, well-performed, good material. It's just, eh, I don't know. You know, I just, yeah, I mean, really, uh, Megadeth haven't really, I don't know, um, got my blood racing since probably, gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't want to say rest in peace, but because obviously their songwriting was still good and, um, Countdown to Extinction and all that, and they've released tons of great albums in the decades since. But really, um, I could go with Pete Sells and um, Killing Is My Business and Rest in Peace, and that's all I need from Megadeth. Yeah, I I, I would go a little bit further than you. I like Countdown and then the record after that. I would say, yeah, 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 I forgot. I love So Far, So Good, So What, which most people don't like, but I, I do, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good record. What was the one with the hanging babies? And it was that, really cool artwork. Yeah, that, uh, but, but, uh, I'm trying to... <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I met the artist who painted that a couple of years ago. He, he, he saw him. Um, Gosh, why am I blanking on that? It came out, I think, right after Cryptic Writings. Ugh, what am I... Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it. That's Are the art see? of the internet, and let's see who makes it first. Uh, Euthanasia. That's 1994. it. 1994. That's it. Euthanasia. 
So, yeah. So they had after that one, it was hit or miss. And I agree with you. They they did put out some really good music uh, going forward into the 2000s. And you know, I just after I met them in Milan, even that record they were touring on because uh, Genghis and I had seen them in Houston. They were badass. They're amazing, but. I don't know, man. It's just like it just seemed like the same thing over and over and over again. Like you said, very well played, very well produced, all that jazz. And then, but on the, let's you know, let's bring up something that did happen in twenty three, which was the release of the new Metallica record, which I see is blank from your list, which I was shocked. Uh, you, you know, know it's, uh, <laughs> it's, I actually, I actually meant, I actually meant to add that to my um, honorable mentions because. I, um, I thought it was a solid album. I mean, it's nothing I'm going to go back to that often, but I definitely thought it was at least worthy of um, um, honorable mention, you know? Oh, I, I actually, I, I heard a few tracks. I just, I got bored. Just put it away. Uh, right. That's another one. I wanted to hear a little bit more out of it. And I was like, ah, I don't like it. It's just boring to me. Again, you know, it sounded okay. We saw them live together. Um and I think the shows we I saw two, you saw one out of our my little road trip up to Arlington. Um and I thought half the show was good and half the show was kind of just stale. Right. It's like they ran out of gas. They came out on stage with a lot of energy and then just ran out of gas. And I get it, they're aging and stuff like that. And I've always wondered about that with like thrash bands and stuff like that. You know, at what point do you call it quits? Because you're just you're fucking sixty years old. Like, right. <laughs> are you still going to be banging your head to fucking, uh, like fucking Chuck Billy, Trial by Fire? You know, I mean, they're still right. doing it. I'm sure he's in his 60s. But you see that they're all losing, kind of losing a little bit of the flair, which you get it because they're older, right? But I would think thrash fans have a harder time with longevity uh, just due to the aggressive style of the music. Oh, opposed to like just like a regular little hard rock band or whatever. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so uh, let's. I want to bring up another record on your list, um, and I gotta say this one. I have heard three or four tracks, and I I want. I'm gonna dive into this record because I was so impressed with the songs. I was like, where the fuck was I? I was somewhere. <laughs> where were you? I don't know. I was somewhere. Um, and I heard this and I'm like, that sounds like Mick Jagger. That sounds like the stones. And, uh, I really liked that slow bluesy number and, uh, I shazammed it. I'm like, fuck, that's the stones. And it had Lady Gaga on it. And I'm like, that's really fucking good. And then I heard another song, Angry, that came out. I'm like, fuck, that's really good. So I see that major list. Uh, you and I are going to go to the show. Uh, this coming in 2024. So tell me, I guess I guess you have the same thoughts on this record because I've heard stuff before that they've done new that's just not that great. But this one, I don't know, man. I don't, I wonder if they brought people in to help them write. It's like, hey, we're gonna make you sound like the Stones again, which they sound like the Stones again to me, an older version, of course. But the songs are just good, fresh. Almost sounds like stuff off Tattoo You a little bit. Well, um, I don't. I, I don't think they ever stopped sounding like the Stones. Um, their 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 last few albums have been really consistent, but even by that standard, um, 
That New Diamonds is solid. I mean, I, it's amazing that a band that is that far into their career, not only is still touring like they're immortal, but they're actually creating music that is really spectacular. No, no, yes. to, no to kiss. Oh, sorry, it's too late. <laughs> anyway, exactly. Anyway, I, I had the same impression on hearing Hackney Diamonds as I did when Judas Priest released Firepower. I'm like, every single song is strong. Every one. I was like, how is this possible? But it is. It's it's really great. And I I wasn't expecting greatness. I, I thought, okay, we'll, we'll have another Stones album. There'll be a, a couple of decent Workman-like songs, you know, next but it's really surprisingly solid. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. And now we're going to the show, and I actually played uh, that song with Lady Gaga. I forget the name of it. Uh, That's really something, good. Something about heaven. And uh played for the Mel Munchkin. She goes, oh, my God, this is so good. Yeah. She goes, are we going to the Stones? I said, well, I am. That's right. <laughs> and she's like, uh... Why am I not going? It's like, because I took you twice and we had to leave early both times. Yeah. She goes, oh, yeah. So, no. No, I said, no, the tickets are not cheap. So, I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to go see my friend Lee and my friend Stephen Lauren. We're going to have a good time, have dinner before. And we'll do kind of a, maybe we'll do a little recap show or we'll do a precursor to the show that with the four of us. A reunion show, but we won't be as drunk this time. <laughs> Well, right. that's the plan. That's the plan. Well, um, we could uh, hey, we could uh, hook up with our with our pal um, Jeff Jeff Spicoli and Jam with the Stones. You yes. invited. You invited. <laughs> um, speaking of Judas Priest, they have a brand new record, and again, oh, I heard the first track that I thought the production was poor. And I didn't check anything else out. Yeah, yeah, they've they've re- they released two singles. One I like, one I don't. I forgot the name, but the new album is supposed to be out. I forgot if it's March. It's sometime early next year. Ah. Uh. But, but I can't really comment on the production because I don't I don't really judge sound quality un, un, until I actually put a physical product on my stereo. Oh, okay, I got you. Oh, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Really. I just saw it. It sounded like the mix sounded like a mix of the turbo sound where with something a little bit more modern that they've done. Right. Uh, and I was like, huh, ah, I don't... Ah. It just it sounded dated, I guess. Not fresh. It sounds dated. Well, huh. and, and maybe uh, judgment, I can pass judgment when the record comes out. That'll be my homework when it actually does. And you wanted to bring up uh, a tragic loss... Uh, in 2023, uh, and that would be uh, Kevin Jordy Walker from Killing Joke, uh, which George. we were both fans of. I actually, we're, the Wino got me into him, and then he got me into Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, which was way different than about any other record I think they ever did. It was a lot more synthy and maybe alternative sounding where the other stuff was kind of punky in the beginning and they got heavier and they, I mean, they pretty versatile band. They got a lot of different stuff going on in their music. So, uh, I know you wanted to talk about it and maybe play a track, rightly. First of all, Killing Joke is one of my favorite bands of all time. They're, they are really, when it, when it, 
when it comes to bands under the umbrellas of uh, industrial, post-punk, tribal, all that stuff, they are the reigning grandfathers. I mean, they are awesome. Uh, you know, anyone anyone that owns Metallica's um, Garage Days is probably familiar with the song "The Weight." Well, that was that was Killing Joke, and there's a lot. Yeah, I I saw Killing Joke several times live, and they were always fantastic. And Jazz Coleman is a is a insane lunatic in the best in the best sense of the word. And uh, Jordy, yeah, Jordy Walker, extremely influential guitarist. I mean, he's up there in terms of post-punk players. He's up there with like Billy Duffy of the Cult and then um, John McGow uh, and uh, Keith Levine. All those guys that were with Magazine and Public Image Limited and all that, and and just uh, you know uh, Mike um, Mike Mike Graff, who was with a Dallas band called Course of Empire who were one of my, my favorite bands of all time. But yeah, the loss of Jordy is huge. And uh, in fact, Jimmy Jimmy Page was even a fan. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, what what song did you want to play, Lee? How about, let's just, let's just go with the weight. Okay, let's do it. Kill your joke. Before we wrap up, um, let's talk about some your top shows of 2023. Uh, I know you have them in order here, and I'll let you just kind of go through go through about four or five of them, and you know, kind of tell me about your experience. Sure. Tell you what, let's in, in, instead of going through everything scattershot, I'll just do, make it easy and go. Sequentially, I'll just go through my top four briefly. Sound good? Sounds good, and I may ask you questions. Okay, first of all, was the long-awaited Watchtower reunion show at Fitzgerald's Bar in San Antonio, Texas. Here was Watchtower, um, who were from Austin, and they began in 1982. And to my opinion, I've always considered them the very first um, prog metal band. 
Now, most people, when they think of prog metal, they think of Queensryche, they think of Dream Theater, even like back towards, say, Atheist, that kind of stuff. But for me, Watchtower was the band that started it all. Even Mike Portnoy of, um, of Dream Theater was, was a huge fan, even though some people call him tech metal or whatever. But they are still bringing it. Jason McMaster, who many uh, listeners know from Dangerous Toys and other bands, and recent guest slots in Armored Saint and Accept, uh, his voice, he can still sing way up there like he did in the 80s. It's unbelievable. They're still wow. fantastic live. They're going to be at the Hell's Heroes Festival in Houston next year. And they're they're still bringing it. They're they're awesome. Nice. And they're coming to Hell's Heroes in uh, March. Hell's Heroes, and then they play Austin in just a couple weeks. In fact, I, I reserved my hotel room a couple of days ago. Look at you. Yep. Again, like Stephen Wilson, I'm a Watchtower fanboy. What is, what is it with me with W bands? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And anyway, in a in a completely different sense, my number two concert of the year was Chicago in Fort Worth. I love Peter Cetera. Peter's like the best vocalist ever. Who is that? Uh, John John continues to like Peter Cetera from Chicago. That, that era of Chicago. I know a lot of people like the more classic version, but when Peter was in the band, it brought tear drops to my eyes. <laughs> well, John, you know, I hate to I hate to say this, John, but you're you were rather easy habit to break. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> Fucking no, but, Peter Cetera. No, no, but Chicago is great. Granted they've changed members several times throughout the years and everything, but they still deliver. They're still very powerful. They have the great horn section. And Do they still have a one original band le uh, member left from the original band or no? Yeah, one, but... <laughs> one? <laughs> one kind of like, uh, well, shit, Warner doesn't even, I think, have one yeah. original band member anymore. Well, really, at this point, it's not about the members, it's about the music. Right, and, right. And it's like, look, when... When I go to see the Fort Worth Symphony perform a piece by Bach or Beethoven, I don't expect to see Ludwig van there in person, okay? It's about the music. And we're just fortunate to live in the same time that we can see our original heroes, the original artists playing this stuff. I mean, yeah. there's I mean, you know, there's going to be people like a couple hundred years from now that are be going to be going to see music by Van Halen performed and the music is still just as great it's just carried on to a new generation you know mm -hmm. that's the way I see it yeah I got you dude yeah yeah I mean seriously it's uh, a band like that is a faceless band so a lot of people aren't even going to know they're just going to know the music and like you said keeping the music alive at that point and you know I think Forder could probably even pull that off because i don't think there's anybody left in the For touring band for foreigner uh foreigner mick jones is, is yeah, he's done is, right he i know he's had a lot of health issues well see foreigner is the ultimate example because mick would be the only original member left but he only comes out to perform like a couple songs on a couple shows from a tour so really yeah. so really yeah it 
Foreigner is really the the ultimate cover band. But of course, yeah. uh, but of course, they're sort of a faceless band, and so most of the people in the audience, a, don't know, and b, I, I'm sad to say, probably don't care. All, right. all they want to hear is all they want to do is buy a couple beers and hear the hits. You know? Yeah, I got you. I mean, I mean, I mean, like fans like us who, granted, I mean, uh, Kelly Hansen is great and everything, but I mean, uh, fans like us who want to hear Star Rider, we're very few and far between, you know? Now, let's see, going back to my list, uh, Dream Sonic, which was a, a brief summer tour that Dream Theater thought up that also featured Devin Townsend and Animals as later leaders it was a really good fun show it was very loose very informal probably the highlight was when Devin would um come up and trade vocals with uh james with dream theater and of course that's one of the huge stories of the year at least for me was mike portnoy announcing that he's going to be returning to dream theater and let's just put it this way next year I expect to uh, do a lot more traveling than I have in the past several years. Stephen Wilson's going to be on the road, and if anything happens involving Alex Lightson and Getty Lee, which it looks like it might, um, yeah, I'm going to be basically um, gaining a lot of frequent fl flyer miles in uh, 2000. <laughs> there you go. For sure. Nice, man. And then number four, I promised a fourth show, um, another hometown gig here in Fort Worth. I saw ZZ Top and Leonard Skinner. And to tell you the truth, I went more for ZZ Top because I've always been more a fan of ZZ Top. But Leonard Skinner, even though, of course, it's not the original members, poor what, what we were just discussing, but Leonard Skinner owned the night. They were fantastic. Really? I was, I was blown away. Yeah, they were great. Skinnerd! Skinner, dude. Were you yelling that the whole time? Skinner, dude. 
Well, I mean, well, I mean, I was sort of alternating that between that and Freebird, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah, they were awesome, and it was it was a um, it, it was a sold out crowd. They had the crowd in the palm of their hand. It was it was a it was a fantastic show. Oh, nice, man. Oh yeah, let's see. Um, Sticks was great. probably be the third time i've seen them with uh, lawrence gowan and he's still bringing it and mm-hmm. still, yeah, they are still they are still kicking ass for sure nice and even if even if most people don't really know it you know uh really really strong set list uh strong uh you know jy is still killer guitarist live tommy shaw must have been to the fountain of youth the same Fountain of Youth that Mick Jagger's visited because the guy is just he's leaping all over the stage. His voice is still what it was in the 80s and the 70s. He still looks young. He's amazing. And the whole whole band is on point. I think they're playing with Foreigner, and actually this is in 2024, of course. But I'm so you know it's Foreigner, Sticks, and John Waite is opening the show, and I'm going just for John Waite. Because right. I hadn't seen him since Bad English. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've I'm seen, like, dude, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, I've seen John Wade a couple times since then. He's more he's more like a, a small venue acoustic guy these days. Yeah, but this one, he's going to plug in. Right. So he's doing some Bad English stuff. I'm pretty excited about it. That ought to be cool. Yeah, I, I, I remember that Bad English show we saw. I mean, he... Man, he had the women eating out of the palm of his hand. He, he was he he was charismatic. Say that he was charismatic with a capital C. Man, that was awesome. Oh, dude, yeah, and again, so excited to see that. That's definitely something to look forward to in uh, 2024 for me. Absolutely.
what's your next one, dude? Uh, Metallica, Pantera, we went to that. Yeah, that was a great show. Um, Metal, I uh, see, Britt Floyd. So, a tribute band, basically, right? So, yeah, yeah, but I uh, hear they're awesome to see live. Yeah, Pink Floyd has several world-class um, tributes. Uh, they're probably the most well-known, and probably the best one is the Australian Pink Floyd. He actually uses equipment of the real Pink Floyd and actually has been, like, sanctioned by Pink Floyd as the official one. But Brit Floyd is, I think, equally great. That was a fantastic concert. Complete, oh, nice. Complete with the full multimedia laser show and everything. It was oh, awesome. really? That's pretty awesome, man. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, they, yeah, they played, uh, it was a sold-out. I think it was almost sold out, maybe between 4,000, yeah, around like 4,000 4, in attendance. Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Lee, Leonoid, or Leonid and Friends. I don't even know what that is. Leonid and Friends is a Chicago tribute band from Russia. Oh, wow. They are fantastic. I mean, you close your eyes and it's early 70s Chicago. And literally, I saw them two weeks after I saw the real Chicago. Oh, they, wow. Okay. They, they love the music so much. And it, it's great because, like, uh, it involves, like, a couple different family members, this father and son. And they were, like, recalling when music was banned, um, you know, in, in Russia in the, quote, dark ages and how much music means to them and stuff. And they are such cool guys. And they're such immaculate musicians live and every year that they tour they gain more and more fans and they've really gained a huge underground following in the states so i highly recommend if you ever hear these guys play local i recommend you see them it's the name is leonid and friends l-e-o-n-i-d you nice, won't man. You, you won't be disappointed all right the next one is pat Matheny. Oh, he was great. Yeah, this was a guitar-centric one because he usually has a band, but this he performed a lot from his um, solo catalog, including his most uh, recent album, uh, Gift Box. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been a fan. I've, I've been a fan of his since reading about him in, in uh, Jazz Times in the uh, middle school library in 1980. And, oh, really? Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you know, I used to read like Guitar World in there and everything. And uh, yeah, actually, I read about him in Downbeat. That's right, Downbeat. And this this was my first time to see him, and he did not disappoint. I mean, uh, huge fan. My first time to see him. I probably have thirty or forty CDs with him on it. And oh, really? It was a great show. Next one, uh, I was curious about this one. I almost thought about going to this, was Love and Rockets. Yeah, that was a good show, but it also seemed... It's funny you mentioned that, because I'm actually wearing the shirt I got at the show as we speak. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a great show. It's just, it sounded like maybe they were just sort of going through the motions, maybe. I mean... Oh, really? It, I mean, like, everything was performed live, and it was powerful, and it sounded great, but it just sounded like they were doing the same thing in like every every city. But I mean, don't don't get me wrong, it was awesome, and it was great seeing 
you know, Daniel Ash and David Haskins and David J, uh, especially since last year's Bajas tour was canceled, and I'm still super bummed about that. But this was, this was definitely a nice um, sort of, not quite a substitute for that, but it helped soothe the pain of losing that. Plus, I met quite a few new new friends at that show, so it was fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was yeah. bummed out. There was a show that got canceled for me. Was It was Adrian Ballou and Peter Murphy remembering David Bowie. And oh, I was yeah, like, yeah, how yeah. awesome would that have been to see? And then it canceled. I'm not even sure why. I know why, and I had a ticket to that show, too. Because I'm not sure if you remember, but at first, Peter Murphy had bowed out. He's bowed out. Of his last three tours, because he has a big drug drug problem. Oh, okay. And so he dropped out, and then I knew this would happen. There was a big uproar online in in um, social media. Well, that's the only reason I bought tickets for this is for Peter Murphy. And then eventually they just like you know scrapped the whole thing. Oh wow, yeah, that's sad, dude. Yeah, what I'm, a talent. Yeah, I'm a huge Peter Murphy fan.
so the next one, The Mission and The Chameleons, which I'm a big, I like both bands, but more of a, is this The Mission, well, first off, is this Mission UK? And then number two, I'm a huge Chameleons fan, so I, I always wanted to see them. I was going to go to the show, and it got postponed, and I never got tickets. So I was just waiting. I think it was out of town when it actually finally landed in Houston, and then I didn't go. Well, it was a great show, and yes, it it it, it was the the can't even talk. It was the Mission UK, and um, and yeah, and uh, and until recently, the last time I saw Chameleons, they were billed as to Chameleons UK. So who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that tour, I saw them very close up. I mean, I was like two feet in front of them. But yeah, they were they were great, and yeah, I remember. You and I were both big fans in L, uh, in in college. I remember, yeah. yeah, all those albums like Script for the Bridge and all that stuff. Just great stuff. I thought that of all those of all those British post punk bands, Chameleons were always the most criminally overlooked. They had such great material. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, and I do want to see them one day. Um, and I will hopefully if they keep on yeah. touring. Highly recommended, especially since they still perform stuff from um, script from the script from the bridge and, and yeah, and, that's what I would be going for for sure too. Especially and and of course, strange times and all all that stuff. Really, really good. So your next was Striper, and I was at the show in Houston, and my ex girlfriend it got too loud for her, so we ended up having to leave. Wow, that's funny. Well, she she called me an old man for wearing earplugs. I'm like. No, you're gonna need these. And man, long well, story the, short, we left. Well, <laughs> in that case, I've been an old man since I've been an old man since '84 when I started wearing earplugs. Yeah, yeah. But but yes, yeah, Striper was good. However, I must admit, they they weren't as good as they were uh, just a few months earlier in Dallas. I don't oh, know. Really? What, I don't know what it was. They were. They were good. There just wasn't that excitement vibe in the air. But of course, that'll change. Has already, already have tickets for a next next year's show. Was that the show where Stephen Piercy opened up? No. Okay. Because I saw in Houston, Stephen Piercy opened up, and we watched Piercy, and he was awesome. And then Striper came on, and it's like the volume just got out of control. It got. Sure. I, I understood what she was talking about. It got so loud in there. We wow. actually stood by the side of the stage, and you know she gave me the puppy dog eyes and said, uh, "Hey, uh, why don't we go home and snuggle on the couch?" I'm like, "Done." <laughs> so, no, I left early. I left early. I actually, with her, she she was my kryptonite, if, and I usually would never leave a show early unless it's my kid or whatever. But if she said, "Honey, let's leave the show," I I usually would bend and say, "Do it." But right. I have missed the end of a few shows because of her. But uh, at the end of the day, I didn't regret it because she was is an amazing person. Unfortunately, we're just not together. So don't get me crying about that. <laughs> life happens. Huh? Yeah, life happens. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, Next show, I'll I'll bleed my heart out about what's going on there, but uh, it's pretty sad to be honest. But whatever, boy, Ragman is a little bit down today, but I'm gonna live. 
yeah. gonna live. Well, that's that, that's the important thing. Yes. So your last show is Kiss, and I want to see you saw them a few times, right? But uh, in, do you see them a couple times in 23 or just the one time? I saw them three times on this tour. Which wow. Meant, which meant, uh, I don't know, the past two or three years. Wow. I, I know, I mean, you're a hardcore fan, and you got past the Tommy Thayer and uh, Eric Singer dressing like Ace and Peter, oh, which yeah. I found hard to get past. And maybe it was a little bit... I don't know. I mean, they sounded good. I took the kids to see them. Well, as I say, I, 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 
I, I never accepted that. I just sort of ignore it because it was still great in concert. And really, KISS, um, in the past few years, it's not a concert. It's more of a, a, a production, a show. Right. And if you approach it like that, it's great because it's a great show. And, um, you know, the way I saw it, well, it's, it's my last opportunity to see this first band that I first got into and everything. And uh, so, yeah, that's they they closed it out, which they should have done years and years ago. But they're finally, well, I was about to say they're finally gone. But as long as Gene, uh, as long as there's like money, marketing and uh, marketing opportunities, Gene will be there. There's avatars now. You can go see uh, avatars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Of course. That's one kiss show you will not pay to see. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, let's wrap this bitch up. We've been going yammering on for a bit, but, uh, man, great to have you back on the show, brother. And it's great being back, right, man? We will do more in 24. Hey, I rhymed. How about that? Absolutely. But, guys, thank you for listening every week. Thank you for the kind comments. Usually you give them to me in person, and I appreciate that. And the guys that are out there way, 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 way away from Houston – you can send me a note and say, Fragman, you're on point or your show sucks. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. I'm just gauging myself and I don't listen to fucking John. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening every week. And uh, we'll, I'm going to try my best to get 52 shows out next year. I think uh, this year we're going to hit around 40. So we missed 12 weeks out of the year. I think we're, we're on a pretty good uh, little train ride here. So next week, you get the reunion of Gigas and Ragman. And, uh, but for now, Lee and I are going to give you two big holes. You ain't